You know, it's an awesome honor and pleasure to be in the place today. We, you know, I just thank God to be in this place, to, to be in a, in, a, in a space where we can worship him and, and honor him and just love him. And, uh, oh, oh, hold on, I'm, I'm turned around. My bad. See, today we're going to talk about the turnaround. And just like I was ineffective in trying to bring you a message turned around, God is saying we are ineffective if we are turned around. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to see another day that you've made. Thank you for bringing us into this place, uh, wherever we are, God. Even if we're not in this building, God, we know that you are there with us. For you said you never leave us and you never forsake us. So, God, we thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, what you're going to do in this day. Thank you for your word that's going to come forward. And we ask that it will go into good ground on today, that it will yield 100-fold increase in every one of our lives. And, Lord, we just ask that you would uh, open our ears and our minds to hear what you have to say to us, that we will be more blessed than we were before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You know, when I was turned around up there before, I know a lot of people out there on, on line and <laughs> sitting in their beds and were wondering, what in the world is Pastor Randy doing? Doesn't he know the, the camera is the other way? And what I want to uh, focus on today is repentance. And in repentance, it just means to turn around. Um, just like if I had tried to continue with that message, turned around with my back towards you, I would have been ineffective. There were, you would not have gotten everything that I was trying to impart because you couldn't see me. I was not engaging with you. And so with God, we learned that he has asked us, he has commanded us, he has told us that we have to repent for us to be able to engage with him. Uh, before I go into that, I just want to give you a, um, a definition of repent. And in the Bible, when it talks about repent, it's actually the Greek word metanoio, which means to change your mind. Meta meaning change, naio meaning mind. And when you change your mind, it doesn't mean that you just think happy thoughts. Repentance isn't just changing um, your outlook on life or your disposition. Repentance, changing your mind, means actually literally turning around, taking your mind and turning it around, going from wherever it was to wherever it should be. And we're going to look at a, uh, a story about that, but I just want to answer a question. Some of you might be asking, why do I need to repent? Romans 5 and 12 gives us the, the origins of the need to repent. Uh, read that for me. Read. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people, because all sinned. So, Romans 5.12 lays out a very succinct, uh, shortened, cliffsnote version of the fall of man. It says that when sin entered the world, and that world is cosmos, when sin entered the entire universe, it came through one man, and that man was what we call Adam the man we call Adam. Adam disobeyed God and allowed sin to come into the entire cosmos. Everything was affected when he disobeyed God. And it says, just as sin entered one man, go ahead. 512, read again. 
Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man mm -hmm. and death through sin. And sin's ultimate consequence is death. That is why God said in Genesis, if you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, <laughs> that you will surely die. In the Hebrew is die, die, basically. It's, he's saying die twice. He's saying it's an, it's an absolute inevitability. And we see that sin always causes death. So, go ahead. And in this way, death came to all people. And so, we as human beings, you know, I wrote a post because I was thinking about this message yesterday. I said, we're basically all cousins. If you didn't, <laughs> let me tell you why. Because if we all came from one man and one woman, we're all related. Now, you may say, well, nah, nah, you're going all out. No, we're all related. And then, and, and, and then even more so, if you remember, there was a flood of the entire world, and then everybody started back over from Noah. So, so you even you even closer to Adam than you were before. Now you now everybody at least you know you can at least go back to Noah. So, everybody in this world, if you are a human being, you are related because we all come from that one man. And sin had a vector to come through all of humanity from that one man, and because of that. Death came through that as well. Read, it, read, read that uh, last verse, the last part again. And in this way, death came to all people mm -hmm. because all sinned. And because death has visited all of us, we are in need of something to remove that from us. So uh, let's go to Luke 13, uh, uh, verse 1. And the reason that that sin could come in through one man is because all of us were in Adam. Just think about that. Every last one of us were in Adam. Adam was the seed. And Adam gave the seed to Eve, planted it in Eve, and we all came from all of, all of that. So we were all in Adam. So when Adam sinned, we literally were all in. We were, we were in a part of that as well. And uh, Luke chapter 13, verse 1, Jesus is going to bring it. Bring it home. Go ahead. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Now, this mixed with sacrifices doesn't mean that they cut their finger and they dropped a couple of blood. They weren't doing a diabetes blood sugar test with the, with the sacrifices. Now, when they said this, this is the Bible's really nice way of saying that these people were killed and their blood was mixed in with the sacrifices that they gave to their, that their, their, um, their gods, lowercase g. And so these people are asking Jesus, what do you think about that? Aren't you outraged about how these people were killed and how their blood was mixed with their sacrifice? Not only were they killed, but then they got their blood mixed with unclean sacrifices and offered to some other god that doesn't, that doesn't even exist. How do you feel about that, Jesus? Go ahead. Jesus answered, mm -hmm. do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? Now, listen, this is the interesting part. If you know anything about Jesus' history, you know that he was born in Bethlehem but raised in Nazareth. And in Nazareth, he was near Galilee. That was the area of Galilee. He was, he was, he was always around. That's where his ministry took place was in the Galilee. A lot of stuff 
happened in Galilee. So these people are saying, you know these people. You know the Galileans. You know Southeast Raleigh. You know these people. Aren't you outraged that these people in your own neighborhood, in your own hometown, got did like this? What did Jesus say? Read that, read that again. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? Now, Jesus is awesome because he always answers our questions <laughs> in a way that we weren't expecting. They were expecting him to have some sort of discourse or some sort of opinion or some sort of. Jesus says, I'm not even going to deal with that fact that they got done that way. I'm going to get to the root of the issue. What is the root of the issue? What is, what is really important? See, a lot of times we will focus on the things that are present, but not the things that are important. Let me say that again. We focus on the things that are present, but not necessarily the things that are important. Just because it's in front of your face does not mean it needs your attention. So Jesus is saying, uh, go, go ahead. I'm going to let Jesus talk. I tell you no. Mm-mm. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Now, Jesus saying, listen, they got done and they left this earth in a way that, 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 that was not that greatest. They left this earth. But he says, unless you repent, you will also perish. Now, that perish does not mean to die. That perish means to be, be condemned, to not be able to enjoy God for an eternity, to not be able to enjoy the new heaven and new earth and, and be able to hang out for an eternity and not have any pain or sorrow. He's saying, if you don't repent, you're going to face an even worse judgment than these folks did in the natural. So Jesus always takes our natural issues and brings them to a spiritual perspective. And so what he said is, listen, I know that you would look at this and say this is a great tragedy. But unless you change your mind, unless you turn around, you are facing this way. Jesus is saying unless you face back this way toward God, unless you repent, you're going to perish as well. Keep going. Or those 18 who died in the tower in Siloam fell on them. Now, Jesus said, I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to bring up an event that you didn't even bring up. Remember the, the, remember the tower? Now, now see, the, the pilot did this evil thing. And they would say, well, this person did this. This person did that. Jesus said, I'm going to do you one better. Remember when the tower fell on the people? Nobody pushed the tower over. Nobody did this. No, there, wasn't, there wasn't people working and dynamited and it just fell. No, no. This was, not, this was not done by any human being. This tower fell on these people. Go ahead. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? Do you think because this freak accident happened to them that they were the most guilty on this earth? What's Jesus say? I tell you no. No. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Unless you turn around, you will also perish. Jesus has given us an example of why repentance is so important. Because one man caused sin to enter into the world, and as soon as we're born, we're a sinner. Now, I'm going to say something that might be controversial, but it's backed up by Scripture. It says that we were Born in, born in sin and shapen in iniquity, which means that nobody comes into the world inherently good. 
unfortunately, this the, the new age concept that everybody's born good and then they turn bad, that's not, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you're born bad. You're born a sinner. You are born in enmity. There's enmity between you and God at the very beginning. As soon as you take your first breath, God says, I'm not pleased with you. And you say, well, how can God do that? Well, you read it in Romans 5, 12, because of one man's sin entered into the world and caused everybody to be in sin. But that is why, that is why Jesus says you must be born again. When, Nick, when Nicodemus came to him at night, I like to say Nick at night, when Nick came to him at night and was inquiring from Jesus, what do I need to do? Jesus says, you must be born again. And Nick said, what do you mean? Go back into my mother's womb? I'm a grown man. That ain't going to happen. And Jesus said, no, no, no. You got to be born again in your spirit. See, the reason you have to be born again, the reason you have the term born again Christian is because your first birth was flawed. Everybody's first birth was, was a sin birth. But when you come into Jesus, Jesus says, listen, when you Say with your mouth, confess with your mouth, and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God. When you confess that, Jesus says, I have now rebirthed you in me. Now this birth is immaculate. Woo. Now this birth is perfect. Now this birth is incorruptible. And no matter what you go through on this earth, you have an assurance. You, ha you don't have insurance. You have assurance that no matter what happens on this earth, when you leave this earth, you're going to be with me. So that's why you need to repent. Repentance is so important. And um, I, want to, I just want to take us through a quick story. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. It's going to be very familiar to most of you. Uh, even, even if you're not a believer, you probably heard this story. Uh, but it's the story of the prodigal son. In fact, we even use the word prodigal. Uh, you know, I'm always amazed at how many terms we use that are biblical terms, but we use them out, out of totally out of context. But anyway, this term prodigal, the prodigal son, uh, we've heard it taught probably many ways and a thousand times. But what I want to focus on is the turnaround. Remember, the title is the turnaround. OK, uh, Luke chapter 15, we're going to start at verse 11. Uh, what's it say? Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Okay. Now, Jesus has just finished telling some very interesting parables. He told the parable of the lost sheep, where he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. He tells the parable of the lost coin, where they search the whole house trying to find this coin, and they finally find it, and they have a parable, and I mean, a, a, a party. Every time Jesus says, the, the repentance is the, is the part that is the most important. After every one of those parables, it's the repentance is the part that is the most important. So Jesus just finished these parables, and he says, I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to tell you a story. And I love Jesus' stories because they're awesome. And there's so much in Jesus' stories. So he says, a man had two sons, and his son came and asked him. The younger one came and asked him for a share of the estate. Now, in the Jewish custom, in the Middle Eastern tradition, if you ask for your father's estate before he died, it's almost like you're saying, I wish you were dead. 
I can't wait for you to die. You know, sometimes I think about the, uh, the royals in England and I wonder about, you know, if they're like ready for, you know, I mean, it might be kind of morbid, but are they ready for like mama to go ahead and, you know, go on the transition, you know, so I can go ahead and take this crown, you know, but this person didn't just think it, they said it. They told their dad, basically, I wish you were dead because I want the money now. But look at what the father does, go ahead. So he divided his property between them. Now, the Bible doesn't record the father arguing. This is Jesus telling the story. Jesus doesn't say the father argued, got mad, or anything. He says the father gave him exactly what he asked for. Now, if you know anything about Jewish tradition, the oldest son got double what the youngest son got. So if there were two sons, the oldest son got two-thirds, the youngest son got one-third. So now keep that in mind because the youngest son has one-third of the estate. Go ahead. Not long after that, uh -huh. the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, you know how that feeling is when you got a money burning a hole in your pocket. I'm talking about when, you, when somebody gives you some unexpected money, and, it's, and, and you got all kinds of thoughts about what you're going to do with it, and you can't wait. It says after a short time. He said he didn't take long. He didn't sit there and plan out a, a risk assessment or doing a financial analysis. He said, man, this money is burning a hole in my pocket. I got to get out of here. And he took up everything he had and left. Go ahead. After he had spent everything, there mm -hmm. was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he now, went. Now, this is, I want you to understand, Jesus is talking about repentance. And whenever you're reading the scriptures, you got to keep them in context. Don't take scriptures out of context. In all of this, Jesus is talking about repentance. Now, in this, Jesus is saying, when the, when the youngest son asked for what he wanted and he got it, that's just like sin. If you can think back, maybe you've been holy for a long time, but, but just think back to when you weren't. The things that you wanted that felt really good that were sinful, when you got it, you were, you were on cloud nine. You were, you were good. Maybe it was that money. Maybe it was that woman. Maybe it was that man. Maybe it was them drugs. Whatever it was, when you got it, you felt good. But then Jesus says, there's a funny thing about sin. Sin never ends the way it starts. Let me say that again. Sin never ends the way it starts. So while it feels good in the beginning, at the end, there's a famine. See, when this young boy went to that city, he said, it's on and popping. Oh, this is the place to be. This is the city that's got the most... They, listen, they doing the most in this city. Boy, they got everything in here. And I got the money to spend. Oh, I'm making it rain every night. This is, this is what it's about. I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I made that decision. That Taking that one-third of the estate, oh, man, I'm glad I did that because it's on and popping right now. Everything's great in the city. I'm living my best life in the city. But then guess what happened? Go ahead. What happened? So he went and hired himself. No, no, go back. Read that last verse again. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. Now, now, this is interesting because after his money was gone, then the famine came. See, if the famine had come when he still had the money, he would have probably been all right. He could have just gone on back home. See, that's what sin does. It sucks you in. And after the fun is gone, after the thrill is gone, then the famine hits. See, if the, listen, 
If the person started beating you in the beginning, you would have left them. But it's not until after you done slept with them and done got connected with them, then the beatings come and now you can't leave. See, sin never starts the same way it ends. It always starts good, but it always ends bad. And Jesus is showing us, even though that city looked good, I can think about Lot. When he looked over and saw that green, lush Sodom and Gomorrah, he was like, oh, yeah, that city over there looks good. Abraham, you can have this little dust and dirt and stuff, but I'm going to go over here to this green, lush city over there. See, it looked good from afar. Can I caution you? Ask God. Inquire of the Holy Spirit before you step out there, especially if you're talking about dating and this Especially if you're talking about marrying somebody, please ask God first, because what seems really fun and good in the beginning can turn into a famine at the end. And now you wish you could leave, but you got to you, you can't look. Look at what happened to this boy when the famine came. Go ahead. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. Mm. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Now, you have to understand, Jesus is telling this story from a Jewish perspective, which means that this father was a Jewish man, and this boy was a Jewish boy. If you know anything about Jewish people, they don't have dealings with pigs. They don't touch pigs. Pigs are unclean. They don't eat pigs. There's no, there's no, you don't even go near a pig. And this boy had hit such a famine. Sin had caused such a famine in his life. He had to turn back on the principles that he had. He had to turn back. He was had his back to everything that he had been taught because he had done something that he shouldn't have done. His back was turned to everything he had been taught since a boy. When he went out there to feed those pigs. Go ahead. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. And the, and the stuff that the pigs were eating, he couldn't even eat that. He said, listen, the, 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 in, the, the implication is that when this boy was feeding the pigs, he couldn't even eat himself. He's feeding an unclean animal food that he can't even eat. He's going hungry feeding something he shouldn't even be around. And God, Jesus is using that to show us that in our sin, we only go lower. In your sin, you don't rise up. There's no, there's no oh, I'm just going to go through sin and have a good time, and then I'm going to go through a low period, then I'm going to come back up. No, it doesn't work like that. Sin always drags you down further and further and further. He went to the city. He blew all his money. They had a famine. Now he's hungry. Now he can't eat. Now he got to go be a slave to somebody else. That's what hired servant means. He hired him out, himself out to be a slave, and now he's got to go feed unclean animals with food he can't even eat. But go ahead. What, what happened, though? He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, mm, stop right there. We could preach a whole message on just that. When he came to his senses. How many of us have come to our senses? If you think back, I can remember when I came to my senses. When sin had beat me over the head so much that I said, there's got to be a different way. It went, when the famine had come after I had all my fun. And I said, there's got to be something else. I came to my senses. 
I had a praying grandmother. Um, but I came to my senses and I said, God, this, th th there's got to be something else. That's what this boy did. And that's what Jesus is using to show us how repentant, how important repentance is. We have to ha get to a point where we come to our senses. There has to be a point in your life. Maybe you're watching me right now and, you, and, and, and the Holy Spirit is telling you, remember all that stuff you've been trying to do that ain't been working? Remember all those failed relationships? Remember you keep going after the same person and they keep doing the same thing and now you want to say all of them are bad? No, the common denominator is you. You got to look at yourself. You got to come to your own senses and say, listen, am I really doing the right thing? Am I really doing what God wants me to do? Or am I just messed up? Am I just trying to figure this thing out? Am I just trying to do it my own way? It might be time for you to come to your senses on today. So when this boy came to his senses, what happened? When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. This boy said, I know for without a shadow of a doubt, my daddy got plenty of food. Heck, even his servants eat more. They be wasting stuff. <laughs> his servants leave more stuff on the table than, than the pigs that I'm feeding are eating right now. He said, I could go back there and eat the scraps and be full versus staying here and starving to death. So what's the boy say? I will set out and go back to my father. And I will him. turn around. See, I was facing this way toward the city. But I'm going to change my mind and I'm going to turn around. You know, every time I uh, thought about this message, that song was playing in my head. Turn around. And, but the boy said, I'm going to turn around. See, this is the turnaround. That's why I named this the turnaround. Not a turnaround. Not some turnaround. This is the turnaround, the turnaround that we all need to make, the turnaround where we say, I'm not going to continue in the way that is apart from God. I am not going to continue continuing in this city of sin. I am not going to continue going further and further away from my father. I am going to turn around and I'm going to face my father and I'm going to run to him. I'm going to run to him. And look at what this boy does. Keep going. Father, I have sinned against heaven. And he rehearsed you. in his mind what he was going to say. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Mm. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. And he got up and turned around. See, this is the challenge that most of us face. We can have it in our mind to turn around, but then we don't take the action. See, Changing your mind is nothing without changing your actions. I, I am so concerned with the Christians that I meet on a regular basis who have a mind change but have yet to change their actions and then justify it by saying, well, you don't know my heart. No, I don't know your heart. I can't know your heart. Only God knows your heart. But guess what? Jesus told us if the fruit is bad, then the vine is bad. <laughs> But if the fruit is good, then the tree is good. He said, 
Basically, if you look at the fruit that is coming out of your life, it should be good. Now, get, get what I'm saying. I'm not coming from a legalistic standpoint. I know that we all live in this sinful body and this flesh is not going to be saved. We are going to struggle in ways and areas until the day that we get our new body. That is not what I'm saying. I'm not talking about a mess up. I'm talking about a deliberate on purpose continuing in the way that you should not go. So it's like saying, I have a changed mind, but I'm going to continue going this way. My mind is telling me no, but my body is telling me yes. So go ahead. So he got up and went to his father. Uh huh. But while he was still a long way off, mm. his father saw him and was filled with compassion. Now, here is the point that Jesus is trying to drive home because the religious folks were trying to understand Jesus. This whole concept of God being this loving father is new to us. We don't understand that. And Jesus has given us this pointed and, and powerful illustration that even when the son had done something so egregious as saying, I wish you were dead and give me all your money. Jesus is saying that the father was always looking for him to return. It says, while the boy was a long way off, the Jesus says a long way off because it wants to show us that the father didn't hear the son coming. The father didn't feel the rumbles or hear the car engine or in the father didn't. It, none of that was happening. The father would go out. And I just had this vision of the father walking out on his porch because now the father was rich. So he had, he had money. He had hired hands. So you understand that the father was not broke. And how many of us know <laughs> that our father's not broke? He has a cattle on a thousand hill and he owns everything. Our father is not broke. And, but our father, who's rich, was looking out always. I, I could see him waking up in the morning and looking and saying, hmm, I wonder if my son's coming home today. Let me look around. Hmm. Yeah, huh. I don't see him. Hmm. All right. I believe he's coming back. I don't see him today, but I believe he's coming back. See, the only reason, the only way the father could have seen him a long way off is that it was he was consistently looking for the son to return. God is consistently looking for you to return to him. He is looking for you because he knows that way is not a good way. He already knows that sin leads to death. He already knows that you are going to have a hard time going this way. So he knows that eventually when you come to your senses, you're going to run to him and he's looking for you. So the father was looking for him. Go ahead. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Now, now listen, Jesus is telling us this is a representation of the father that he is rich beyond measure. He doesn't need anything, and he has been wronged more than once, and yet he still saw his son who had done this to him and had compassion. The Bible doesn't say the father had anger. The Bible doesn't say he turned his back on him and walked back in the door. The Bible doesn't say he sent a servant out there to go greet him and say, bring that boy in here and let me give him a one-two. The Bible says that the father had compassion. And how did he show the compassion? He ran to his son. Now the father ran. God knows. How many of y'all know God is waiting to run to you? As soon as you take one step to him, he's ready to run to you. And I just see this old Jewish man 
running off of his porch, robe flying in the wind, beard flapping in the wind, running to his son. I'm talking about like there's Cujo running behind him, running like he's never run before. God wants to run to you like never before, but you got to turn around. Go ahead. He ran to his mm. son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Mm. Can you see the imagery? This person that has wronged you that said, I wish you were dead, you are now embracing them. And I ain't talking about a little church hug where you, <laughs> I'm talking about a, a full frontal, I'm give, come here, boy, I love you. And then kissed him. Go ahead. Mm. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Now the, now the son's already, he said, you know, I messed up. I know I messed up. I'm going to go ahead and do my rehearsed speech. But guess what happens? The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants. But, <laughs> but, but said, I don't got time for all that rehearsed stuff. The father said, I don't have time to hear that. I already know. Go, what, what did the father say? But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Mm. See, when you repent, when you do the turnaround, God says, now I can put something on you that you didn't have before. See, mind you, he would have gotten the robe and the other things later on. But because of his sin, he decided that sin would look better. And how many of us have looked, have thought sin looked better? Even as a Christian today, sometimes the devil will try to trick you and say you had it better back there in sin times. Remember how much money you had when you were sinning? Remember how many women you had when you were sinning? Remember how many less problems you had when you were sinning? And the problem with that is it's a lie. Because, you know, when the devil's speaking, he's telling a lie. See, the devil doesn't let you remember all the times you were hugging that porcelain throne all night long. The devil doesn't let you remember when you woke up in somebody's strange bed looking at them like, who, who are you? The devil doesn't let you remember all the money that you wasted on doing stupid stuff. The devil doesn't let you remember how that person was so bad to you and mean to you. They only let you remember the good stuff. See, sin, if you let it, will rewrite history. Sin is a great revisionist. And if you let it, it'll tell you we had it better in Egypt. We, we, we were doing better. I mean, yeah, we, we were getting whipped and beaten, had to build. And, I mean, yeah, we, we had to do all that, but it was still better than walking around in this wilderness. And God's like, you did? I, that's news to me because I could have sworn I heard y'all crying out to me asking for some deliverance. See, sin, you got to understand, once you repent, you can't turn back. And that's why I love what the men, the men y'all you know, were in the spirit because the men saying, I got God on my side, and what? I can't turn back. I can't go back to the old way. I can't go back to the sinful way. Once I have done the turnaround, I'm not going to turn around again. So the father says, go get the robe. And what else? Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Now, the ring signifies that he is a part of this house. The ring signifies that he has standing in this house. He is now a part of the father's house now and forever. That ring had um, a purpose that whenever something needed to be signed or sealed as a document, you could use that ring as your sign and seal. The father is saying, now that you've repented, son, 
I can give you a robe, which is clothing, which is the finer things. I can give you a sing, which signifies authority. When you repent, you have authority. There's no reason to let anything happen in your life without you speaking over it. If there's anything happening in your house, is there anything happening in your but in anybody else's house that you know of, if there's anything happening in this world, you have the authority. God has given it to you to say no, to change, to move, to do. And you're not ordering God, but you're using his authority in yourself. So the boy gets a robe, gets a ring, and what else? Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And he gets sandals on his feet. Now, I remind you, the boy must have walked out with shoes, but he came back barefoot. When he said he spent all his money, he got down to his bottom dollar, literally. And so the father's saying, I'm going to put something on your feet to comfort you. So God gives us riches. He gives us authority and he gives us comfort whenever we do the turnaround. Go ahead. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Mm. And doesn't that remind you that Jesus says there is more joy in heaven. See, in his previous parables, he said there's more joy in heaven over one sinner being saved than over 99 righteous. He's saying that this one that left and did the turnaround is the most important right now. And all of heaven is going to celebrate. So he said, we're going to have a feast about that. What verse are we in, Rita? 24. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. Mm. Read that one more time. Let those words sink in. <clears throat> For this son of mine was dead. How many of us were dead? We were dead in that city of sin. Go ahead. But here's what? For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. But, I'm, but now you're alive. When you do the turnaround, you turn from death to life. Go ahead. He was lost in this family. Well, he, he was lost in that city of sin. He was headed toward not being near or close to the father. But when he did a turnaround, he was now found. Go ahead. So they begin to celebrate. Mm -hmm. So this celebration is a direct effect of repentance. And if you are listening to me today and you say, you know, I, I, I want to get right. I, I know I've been turned around. I know I'm really facing like this to God. Even though I have some thoughts about him, even though I know about him, even though I, you know, I, I, I have some things that I, I, I'm doing well in, but there's some other things in my life that I'm not, and I, just, I really wish I could get it together. God's saying right now is the time that you can, you can do a turnaround. You can do the turnaround. You can repent and get into the Father's good graces. And if you're watching me today and you, and you say, I want to... I want that repentance. I want to turn around. I don't want to keep going this way. Just repeat these words after me. The, the Bible says that if you repeat these words, if you say them out of your mouth and you believe them in your heart, that God will honor your repentance. See, true repentance is not just thinking about it. True repentance is not just wishing about it. 
True repentance is turning from one way and turning around to the next. So just repeat after me. <clears throat> Say, God, I've messed up. Come into my heart and save my life. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I believe that he died on the cross and that he rose on the third day. Jesus, save me. That's it. It don't take a whole lot. You don't have to say a whole bunch of stuff. It says, the Bible says, if you said those words and you believe them in your heart, that you are now saved. You have now taken the first step in repentance. But there's another step. You have now changed your mind, but now you need to change your actions. Rely on the Holy Spirit to show you what you should and shouldn't do. Those people that you've been hanging around, the Holy Spirit may tell you, don't answer their calls. Listen to the Holy Spirit. It's going to seem harsh. I remember when I rededicated my life to Christ, I was living uh, with some guys and, and there was no slight to them. But for me, I had to leave. And I loved hanging out with them. I loved being with them dearly. We had a great time and we shared a lot of memories. But I knew when I rededicated my life, I had to leave. I had to move. I couldn't stay there. And there's going to be some people in your life. There's going to be some situations in your life that you're going to have to remove yourself from so that God can deal with you. So that God can can repair some breaches. There's some cracks in you that need to be filled. There's some, there's some things that have fallen off that need to be put back on. And God can't do that if you're in that same situation. So can I encourage you that as you've made a decision in your mind and heart to turn around, to repent, repent in your actions. Let God guide you and he'll show you exactly what you need to do. And we take solace, we take joy in knowing that all of heaven is having a party right now over your salvation. You are causing heaven to shake because you've made a decision to turn around. And God, we thank you for the turnaround. Thank you for giving us a road to be able to repent and come back to you. No matter what we've done, no matter what we've gone through, God, you have allowed us, you've given us one more chance to repent on today. And God, we thank you that you're that loving father who's constantly seeking us to come back. And when you do see us from a long way off, you're ready to run toward us, God. Lord, we thank you for your unfathomable love. You have been mindful of us, your creation, and we can't understand how you, being all-knowing, all-powerful, can be so mindful of a creation like us. But your word says that you loved us before the foundation of the world, and you sent your son to die in our place even before we were born. God, we thank you. You are awesome. You are magnificent, and we praise you like never before. We praise you over our circumstances. We praise you over our deficits. We praise you over our lacks. 
We praise you over everything that is coming against your word. We praise you and we stand on you because you are the rock. And God, we thank you. Thank you for your word and thank you for those who are hearers of your word and doers. Help us to all do what you would have us to do and to say what you'd have us to say. Lord, we love you from the bottom of our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And Lord, we thank you for the offering that you're going to allow your people to give to this ministry that we can continue to do more and greater works in you, that lives may be changed and souls may be saved. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Remember the turnaround.